Welcome to Out of the Skip Play, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest in what are you playing video games of all time. <laughs> that third W was by local man on Twitter. Submit yours at Get Played <laughs> wow. hashtag WWW. We got him. I'm Nick Weiger. We, we got him. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick Weiger along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell along with our producer, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. Edge. Boy, my favorite time of the month when it's just us, the the three of us plus Devin, our intrepid engineer. And this is we just... the lowest stress record that we have. All the others <laughs> are at a 10 or an 11. Yes. Yeah. Like building the plane de- before it hits the ground, sort of. Dear, yeah. Right. Dear listener, we fucked up. We shouldn't have done this. Why did we do this to ourselves? Bad, bad premise. Bad premise for a podcast. Even, Way even too hard. the good games at this point, when it's like, oh, we've got, we're gonna, pull, we're gonna do this in like a month, and it's a big one. So uh, get, get to play. Even the good games now are like, mm-hmm. okay, I've got, uh, I've got an hour in between these two meetings. I should probably see if I can race through that next set. Like it's never, it's yeah. Yeah, I've I've ruined the thing that I love. I would almost rather <laughs> it be a show where every week I kick my own ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just find new and exciting ways to beat myself to near death. Right. <clears throat> but with the, that's not what we're doing this week. That's not. We're nope. just talking. We're just chilling. Yep. We're just hanging out. We're just talking games. This is another edition of Seventy Minutes in Gaming Heaven where we just kind of have a free-form discussion about not necessarily one of the worst and weirdest uh, games of all time, but maybe just games in general. We'll see where it goes. You know, I bought three video games last night from a what? video game store. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, is- like you, went to a, you went to a retailer and you're like, I'm getting these three, and you walked out with them. So, so I went to Little Tokyo... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, was like, oh, I, I, I want to go to a couple of my favorite Gundam and anime stores. And they were all closed. But oh. uh, and also my uh, one of my favorite Japanese retro video game stores is also closed and then rebranded and reopened as a different company. It's now called mm-hmm. World 8-2. There's a World 8 and now there's a World 8-2. And World 8-2 has a ton of Japanese games, but a few new releases uh, so I picked up three video games that I thought looked either fun or weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. Do you guys? You care? This. That's what the show. This was seventy minutes. Yeah, of course, is. We I don't care. know if I'll ever be able to open them. Then again, maybe I should just <laughs> keep them sealed and get ten million dollars for them in, in a year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I got. I got Secret of Mana for PlayStation Four, which is the remake of one of my favorite games of all time. Wow. Which, wow. frankly, it had appeared on my radar a while ago, and then I completely forgot about it. So when I saw it on the shelf, uh, I was like, oh, I should get that. I got Super Robot Wars for the Switch. Wow. Uh, which is like an anime robot fighting game. And then I got, and here's the game that I think we should cover of these. Summer Lesson for PlayStation VR. Summer so, Lesson. Summer Lesson is a game where I think from the back of the box what i understand is you sit on a a nice porch of a a house Uh with a a young woman who teaches you 
language or Mm. etiquette or something. And you just hang out with her in VR. So it's got like kind of a creepy feel. But also I was like, oh, Nick will play this. I'll be able to, I'll <laughs> oh, yeah. be able to convince Nick to play this. <laughs> I'm downloading it now. Um, <laughs> the, the title, Summer Lesson, sounds like a like a 70s like erotic coming of age story. Yeah. Like some oh, fi- some like yeah, it does. Hold on. Some like dubbed Italian film. <laughs> where there a, a a kid from a boarding school uh, falls in love with the woman next door, the neglected uh, housewife. <laughs> All right, here here's here's the back of this this box, and there she is, right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Only with VR can you enjoy this unique communication experience. The reality of this encounter is deceiving. Are you ready to experience for yourself? And the full title of the game is Summer Lesson. Hikari Miyamoto, and I'm holding it up for the guys to see. It's wow. just some. It's just a woman who's va va voom holding yeah, out I'm her see arm. If I can get uh, PSVR sent to me in the next like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, that's great. Wow. What was it like? I haven't been into a video game store in a, in a while. Was it exciting to be around a bunch of video games? Um. So. This store in particular has tons of like Famicom games, uh-huh. uh, Japanese N64 games, Saturn games, Dreamcast games. Like it's a, it's a it's a nice, robust little collection of stuff. They have a a, a a Tupperware bucket of loose Famicom Mario Karts, which is pretty neat. Wow! Like just like a like a like all I think they're yellow. It's like all yellow carts. Uh, some stuff is in box. Some stuff is loose. And it, uh, I am uncomfortable talking to people and uh, was there by myself. And everybody else w- were dudes who came in in pairs mm-hmm. and were just like very loudly talking to each other. Sure. Does that make sense? Yes. And yeah. that made me more uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Uh, and then somebody said, do you need help? And I like I was like. I can't tell if you're asking if I need help with a video game or if I need personal help. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was weird. It was weird to be in a retail store uh-huh. again, especially a video game store. Uh, it was I was uncomfortable, but you know maybe that's just me. I've been in a GameStop a couple of times. Uh, just to just you know, kind of uh, having a look around. Actually, you going there was one up time to I was... the the front and being like, 10 stonks, please." <laughs> <laughs> How based is Elon? <laughs> um, so there, uh, but I've been there a few times, and it's yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, any sort of shopping feels weird. I will say. I went to a clothing store the first time I went clothing shopping after quarantine. Like, mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. this is over a year. My wardrobe had just completely gone to shit because I just got rid of everything that I wasn't wearing as loungewear or activewear, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, well, fuck. Now the world is reopened and I need to get some actual clothes that fit me. So I went to like the store that just had menswear. And by pure coincidence, the one guy who was working there, and it was just the two of us in the store, this kind of smaller boutique, was a huge gamer. Was just like a, like, and I don't even know how the topic came up, but we just we ended up talking about cyberpunk 
for like 20 minutes. Oh, really? And we we're talking wow. about how like, yeah, we were just talking about how like uh, it, it, like I was trying on clothes and then coming out and we were just like, you know, like, oh, this one fits well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's unbelievable that they took it down for the PlayStation store, right? Like we're just like, we're, and then we go right back into cyberpunk talk and then he would, and it was just like, uh, it was just such an interesting experience to have just like in a really engaging conversation with a stranger, which is, I like to talk to strangers, but it's been a thing that's been out of my, uh-huh. you know, world for so long that I was just like, wow, this is, this is really something. Hey buddy, what, what hog did you pick? I picked the big hog. <laughs> Do you go penis you know, one, penis two, or none? <laughs> I feel like I get a lot of uh, opportunity to talk to strangers because I don't know Nick Weiger at all. <laughs> <laughs> the only strangers I talk to are strangers of paradise. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, what are we talking about this week, Nick? Boy, we got some news. First up. This Final Fantasy Pixel remasters. Mm-hmm. People were on board. Now everyone's like, these things are way too expensive. And the text looks like absolute dog shit. And it really does. It's like the most abrasive, upsetting font that they're using. So for people who are, who are not uh, as familiar with this, the Final Fantasy games, the, the original ones, the NES and the Super Nintendo or Famicom Super Famicom games have been remade over the years. But the most recent treatment, especially for the more recent ones, your Final Fantasy fours through sixes, has been like just a really grating, unpleasant look where they kind of just got rid of, they smoothed out all the rough edges in the pixel art. They used all these filters. And as a result, everything just looked like blurry and gross and lost all of its charm. So they addressed that by redoing the art and and upresing and actually having it have that, that you know, the kind of jaggy, uh, blocky sort of pixel aesthetic that people like, the reason people like that kind of art and, and have the, the what they have nostalgia for. For the character designs and the backgrounds, uh, they they tweak the soundtrack a little bit. These, uh, you know, they they it's a remastered score, quote unquote, overseen by Nobuo Uematsu, whatever that means. But the font that they're using, at least in English, I don't know if this is the case in in Japanese, but the font that they're using in uh, uh, with uh, what Romanic characters? What do you call them? Sure, Roman. Yeah. Roman characters, the English, whatever they use for English and the, the Romance alphabet? languages. Are you looking for the word the, the alphabet? alphabet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the font they're using for the alphabet just looks like absolute shit. It, and it looks so out of place. And it doesn't look pixely at all. It looks like a, it, it, it's way too sharp. Well, even if it was sharp. And it, the problem is it's it's narrow. The kerning, between, which is the space in between the letters, is crushed. So it is yeah. thin tall, crushed, and like often misplaced in the dialogue boxes. Like it feels like it's too far to the left or something. It's right. It is massively ugly. And when you look at the games, you're like, oh, the first thing that's going to be released is a font mod. Like that's going to be the first thing that people do to this game. And if you know that as the publishing company, why wouldn't you just let like put in like six fonts and let somebody change it and choose yeah. their own font? It, I yeah. mean, I, maybe that has to do with like the spacing in the actual boxes of dialogue and you can't. But it just it seems it seems 
like with if I were to say, hey, guys, I'm going to eat dog shit on Twitch. And there were a bunch of people who were like, don't do that. (laughs) Uh I might be like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Yeah. And it nobody has looked at that font and been like, good job, Square. You nailed it. I mean, they have a couple weeks. They could change it. (laughs) By the time this comes out, they'll have, I think, maybe days to to solve it. But um, it is it is also like to uh, something Nick said earlier, too. They're like a little less than ten dollars each. So if you bought all of these pixel remasters, they're going to run you almost ninety dollars individually. Like if you bought them all individually and these games are good and they're great. They're classic games. But. That's, I don't know. That seems like a lot for for games that are like thirty years old. Yeah, do you know um, what I mean? For cert- for sure, as, as a package, you would think that there would be a substantial discount. Like, yeah. get them all for thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, would yeah. be you know reasonable ish. Yeah, forty forty bucks for everything. Um, assuming the font didn't look. Uh, like absolute trash, yeah. I think would be a fair pra- price. Speaking of which, uh, the, here's a Kotaku article. Final Fantasy pixel remasters cost a bunch and have tiny, tiny text. Uh, <laughs> this is by Nathan Grayson and quoted in this article about midway down. My God, this font is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in a video game. Writer and podcaster Heather Ann Campbell said on Twitter, <laughs> it is the worst of all time. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, uh huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. That's me. I did that. <laughs> I I just I I can't. I, the it's it's inexplicable to me. It's just such bad. It, God, it it just it, it's a, so aesthetically I, unpleasant. I feel like Square Enix, as a general rule, that's their thing. And I don't know if it's intentional that they're like, you know what? Why don't we release these games with this pixel remaster? And then later we'll release another version and people be like, well, this time the font is better. And you have the option to add scan lines or because the truth is none of these games were designed to be looked at as pixels. Nobody had Final Fantasy one through six on a computer monitor. Mm -hmm. Like the way that people were playing it was with the distortive effects of uh, a CRT television. And even like the Sony PVM, like high end mastering CRTs that are available to people now, those those are not a, an accurate description of what the game was supposed to look like. Sure. There was, they're supposed to be soft. And when you look at photos of like old 80s and 90s programmers rooms, there are computers where the design is done, but there are regular televisions so that you can see what the game is supposed to look like. Right. Yeah. And that- it's weird... What? Go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say, when I worked in development, I had both, you know, you have like a, you have your work monitors you're working on. You have like a reference monitor, but you also, yeah, we'll just have an, a regular ass TV hooked up to a dev kit so you can see what it looks like as final output. So when they talk about pixel remastering, like already that's a choice, you mm-hmm. know, like it's not how the game was looked at by anybody. And that aesthetic is now emulated by like independent games, but that wasn't the way that any of this shit looked. Um, right. So I wouldn't be surprised if in five more years they're like Final Fantasy Pixel Remastered Scanline Edition or what, and the font is yeah. fixed. 
Like, I feel like that's something that Square does all the time. Oh, here's Final Fantasy Tactics for the PSP, but the loading times are like three minutes in between each level. Or, it, <laughs> like, it's always something, yeah. right? Yeah. Eventually, the universe folds on back on itself, and there's nostalgia for the pixel remaster with the bad font. <laughs> like, ah, oh, bring the bad font back. Um, I to, to to take a cynical yes, a cynical a cynic's eye on Square Enix. So, for instance, Di- uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, mm-hmm. its original release was the sound. The score sounded like shit. It sounded so awful. It was all synth. And then they do the remaster that has the fully orchestral score, and. That was, but they had those tracks already. They could have used them. Like it's like the like it wasn't mm-hmm. new audio that was composed. Like this the 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 soundtrack is for Dragon Quest games has been the same for, uh, you know, for years. But they just but it like it was like oh this was intentionally degraded uh, the original version so we could sell a remaster that fixes this problem that we created. That would that'd be a very cynical, uh, uh, approach that perhaps they took. I don't fucking know. I know Craven they are. I just almost, but I'm just to bring up Dragon Quest. Also, um, they are remaking. They're doing a remake that would have been more satisfying for these Final Fantasy remakes, where they're doing the Final Fantasy, or no, they're doing Dragon Quest Two. Is it Dragon Quest Two? I thought it was Three. I'll look it up. Uh, dra- maybe it is Dragon Quest Three. Dragon Quest Three Two D remake. Yeah, HD Two D remake. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's they're redoing all of it in HD, and it 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 actually looks pretty gorgeous. But that also that was a Famicom slash NES game uh-huh. that they're redoing with a with a much more, you know, they're they're not just re- they're not just upscaling those old assets. No. Um, but that yeah, that looks great. That's a much more ambitious package. Mm-hmm. It's weird that the old like if you want to, it's like. Okay, if I want to watch Citizen Kane, I can watch it on Blu-ray and it'll be like super sharp or it, no, I'm using it as like an example because it's like, right. oh, it's an old movie Classic that people film. know. Like if I'd said, sure, I'm I have an opportunity Orson to Wells. watch Roman Holiday. You, you oh boy. Why? 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 <laughs> his his debut is directorial debut. Oh if God, Citizen Kane just, is ever just on. I have to finish it wherever it is. Gotta watch it. You fucking assholes, you guys. Okay, name another movie from that decade. Can you name another movie from that decade so I can use that as the the example? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No, that's not from the... (laughs) Just kidding, I don't know. Yeah. So if I'm I'm saying like a go-to oldo movie... Yes. (laughs) Old boy. uh, So if you want to watch a movie... From the 20s, 30s, 40s, you can watch it on streaming. You can watch it on on Blu-ray, DVD, but it's the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's the movie. And maybe sure. there's some argument to be made about like, oh, when they remastered this, they changed the color depth or like the contrast is different. And look, it's a little greener or whatever, but it's still just the movie. It's so weird that in gaming, our options are becoming the fucking Star Wars special edition of literally yes. everything. Yes. Like there's yeah. no way that it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing that's happening. It's like if, okay, the only way I can watch Casablanca is I can't watch an original aspect. Casablanca. It's, it's, oh, Casablanca. <laughs> I'm Nick and Matt. <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> I liked it. 
<laughs> this is what makes the podcast work. What? <laughs> so anyway, it like it's that you had, but it wasn't in four by three. It was stretched out. Do you know how the the or the or those early HD TVs? It would just like stretch out the full frame to a uh, uh, to fit the sixteen yeah. by nine, mm-hmm. and then also it had like motion smoothing on. You know that really fucking <laughs> unpleasant yeah. effect. And that was the only way you could watch it. It's just like, well, this is this distorted version of the original. But I, I was gonna say this. This is something. This is a point you made earlier, Heather, and I, I, I think this is I think it's it's a great insight and a great thing to keep in mind with this stuff is like you look at these original Final Fantasies, you look at like Yoshitaka Amano's character designs for even for Final Fantasy one. Like this was like beautiful hand illustrations uh, that got rendered as these, you know, as these sprites, as these pixelated images, not because that was the artist's vision, but because the hardware was that limiting. The equivalent is like it, with a movie like Citizen Kane. Great picture. Um, <laughs> you guys are jerks. It was the sled all along. It rocks. Uh, the with a movie like Citizen Kane, it's like that wasn't like like uh, oh this was an artistic choice to make it in black and white, right? Like th- this was still the era when p- films were predominantly black and white. Am I am am I wrong there? I don't know. You'd have to name other movies from that from that era. You know, you'd have uh, to just name a, like a, another movie okay. from that era that just like at the top of your right. head. But hang on. The world wasn't in black and white back then. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like a choice to be like, oh, I like black and white films. Like that's right. like a, you know, but but it, it's the same sort of thing with pixel art or with chiptune soundtracks. It's like they would have liked to have had a better synth uh, engine or to have a fucking orchestrated music that they're recording, but they were limited by it. But now it's become a thing that we want to listen to for nostalgic reasons. Speaking of uh, synthetic music. I purchased my uh, a, a Super NES cartridge for the first time in I don't know how long, which is the Super MIDI Pack. It is a snap-in cartridge that lets you control the Super NES chipset so wow. that you can write music and output and record on what your garage band or whatever. Um, wow. But you plug a keyboard right into it. Uh, Nick sent me Devin's, a link to Devin's it. Devin's bow tie just started spinning. <laughs> <laughs> His zoom fogged up. <laughs> um, Nick sent me a link to it, but I'd already, I'd already, I'd already bought one, Nick, yeah. and I didn't have the heart to tell you, except in front of the entire world, that I was already, already there. But I can't, I, I can't wait. I think it comes out next year, but you pre-order it now, and what, a, what a neat opportunity. I'm going to write Super Nintendo music with the actual Super Nintendo. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh, And so is Devin. He's Googling it right now. Yeah, I mean some of those some of those sound chips. Hey, Devin, I do you have you've messed around with these various chipsets, these yeah. various you know sound engines. Do you have a favorite piece of hardware where you're like, oh well, when, when we guys are playing like a like a Genesis or a Mega Drive game, like that's what I'm what I get really get excited about. Hardware, I don't know. I mean, I have like Moog synthesizers and things that aren't particularly relevant to the video game wor- world in terms Got of it. hardware. Everything else is really like software samples of. Of okay. all the SID chips and things running, I, I have basically a full collection of every chipset from kind of the earliest Commodores all the way up to the PlayStation One. So, so speaking of it from a from a software standpoint, then like like is there a particular chipset where you're like, oh yeah, this is the one that's fun to mess around with? I mean, it's the Genesis. 
the Genesis. Hey. It is Genesis. Wow. Of course it is. It's the juiciest sound of any of them. It's just awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Sco- score one for Team Sega. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Finally on the board. Uh... <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Finally said, on what? I said finally on the board. With Yay. One. <laughs> <laughs> what one? <laughs> Uh, here's a this is a fun tweet from our our uh, idol Hideo Kojima. So we have Death Stranding director's cut on the horizon, September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, just in si- in time for Kojember. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hideo Kojima tweeted this a few uh, a week or so ago. A director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it, or because the running time had to be shortened. In the game. It is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Delectors Plus, maybe you mean Directors Plus, that might be a, a mistranslation. Directors Plus, so in my opinion, I don't like to call it Directors Cut. Wow. I Honestly, I was thinking about this the other day, as I've now known to do, just thinking about Death Stranding. I really do sure. think... Um, <laughs> I really do think that... The only art I respect is Hideo Kojima's because <laughs> he's just the way he thinks about things. He right. doesn't think about things like anybody else I can think of. Like I had never that thought never occurred to me. I, I see them calling it director's cut and I just I'm like, yeah, I sort of understand what that means. But I never got I never thought about what that actually means and how he intends it. So like that, that to me is really interesting. And I'm sure it's Sony because I think the Ghost of Tsushima uh, expansion that's coming out is also called a director's cut, and I think it's just mm. a, a labeling thing that Sony is doing. But I love, right. I love that Hideo is just always sharing what he thinks. I love it; it's great. Yeah. Well, and that this would upset him, but I mean, like someone who ha- who has such, you know, a, a specific vision would like like would be uh, hung up on a little thing uh, on a relatively minor thing like that by the way uh, Hideo Kojima's Twitter bio game creator 70% of my body is made of movies <laughs> wow yep so no water none uh I think there's <laughs> movies, room for water in there movies 30% water it's just <laughs> chunks <laughs> chunks of blu-ray like floating in a in a bowl <laughs> I'm sure he's got some movies in there, like Finding Nemo, Water, Water World. World. Yeah. yeah, no Citizen Kane. <laughs> <sighs> um, it's a uh, another thing I like about Kojima is just like he's because you talked about how he just kind of puts it all out there, but that's definitely a case with like horniness, mm-hmm. which is a thing where it's just like I feel like a lot of people would certainly be embarrassed by like making something so transparently horny, but he's not afraid to do it. When he's horned up for something, he's like, this is going to be horny as shit, and this is going in the game. And he would probably say it as such, too, if you asked him. You'd be like, why'd you put it in there? He's like, what? I, I thought it was hot. I put it in there. Duh. It made me very horny. <laughs> you guys saw the art that he retweeted of like, um, I don't what I don't know if it's considered queer baiting or if it's uh-huh. uh like a a, a re it's it's sam and another man engaged in a very sexual embrace oh yeah yeah, yeah. you said people, that to me 
Uh, you oh, you said that to me, Heather. I mean, nice. yeah, I mean, I'd already seen it, but I wasn't gonna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was also gonna say a lot of people tagged me in it, <laughs> like more than one person, <laughs> like specifically tagged me and me only. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I appreciated it. I liked it. Um, but he's been tweeting a lot recently because I think this past week was Metal Gear's thirty fourth anniversary, like the original mm. Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had forgotten that when that game came out, he was 24 years old. Like he was talking about oh, that. Yeah. And I was just like, that's such a staggering God feat to me. Do you know who else was 24? Orson Welles, when he directed Citizen Kane. Wow. It's, it, it's not as cool for some reason, but uh, yeah. I think, I think, let me, now I have to look it up. <laughs> Orson Welles was born a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have to look it up. Let's see. Uh, he was 25. He was 25. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? That is actually, that's Still really pretty remarkable. To make yeah. A, yeah. a movie that's endured. Uh, Stands what? the test of time. 200 years yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, you it's guys. Yeah. Why? Sight and Sounds is still one of the, on the top 10 uh, perennially. I, you know what? I can almost guarantee for our listeners that neither of these men have seen the movie at all. I've never I mean, seen I no. think. <laughs> I've seen Avengers Endgame like 10 times. <laughs> I had to watch it in film school and really I was surprised. It was actually good. Like they don't, you know, usually they're like, oh, this is a movie that's you have to watch. And then you watch sure. it and you're like, oh boy, okay. Yeah. But this one was, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. And then Mary sat down to watch it with me and she was like, this sucks. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm seeing it through your eyes. Oh, yes. No, there are, there are not really any. I'm, I'm no, sure like, like at the time, like it was good. And I can see, I can appreciate the, the film snobs that listen to this are like, I'm going to kill them. Uh, yes. But like the, <laughs> like I appreciate the, the artistry and I appreciate the, like just like how it po- propelled film forward. Like I can yeah, appreciate sure. that, but yeah. that doesn't mean that it's like probably boring to watch now. Like, uh, like anything, even stuff from like the nineties. I'm like, I don't need to see this. Like, this is sure. good. Like, wow. Like, uh, who cares? Like, I, Unbelievable. Jo- I only want to see a new movie. <laughs> <laughs> the newest one, hot off the presses. Give me something Yikes. fresh. Woof. <sighs> <sighs> um, the here's one. <laughs> here's one. What? It's a topic we can talk about. <laughs> so people are up in arms. I don't. I don't know if people are actually up in arms or people are just saying that people are up in arms, mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, there's all this these debates about uh, accessibility in games and that because that's always tied up with difficulty. Mm-hmm. And Psychonauts 2, uh, the Double Fine sequel, a game we covered on the show mm-hmm. with uh, Ashley Escada. We, we, we reviewed Psychonauts, revisited right. that game. Kind of excited. I'm pretty excited about the sequel. I think, I think uh, hopefully it'll be, hopefully it'll deliver. Uh, but on Psychonauts 2 is just going to flat out have an invincibility toggle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we played Last of Us Part 2, and Last of Us Part 2 has all sorts of granular things you can change just to make the game more accessible, uh, easier to play. Um, this is just like a like a, a straight-up, like, sledgehammer approach of just, like, your character's invincible, and you can just go through the game and, and not have to worry about failing. I'm all for it. Like, fucking throw that stuff in there. Like, anyone yeah. should be able to play anything. Why not? 
it's yeah. such a weird thing to be angry about. Like, what? Just let let people play however they want to play. It doesn't affect your ability to play the game. Then, therefore, it's fine. Right. Yeah. It also. I think I was reading about this a little bit, and I I was just sort of thinking about like. You know, who plays games? Like, everybody plays games, right? But not necessarily everybody can play games the same way that you can play. So, like, there sure. are probably, like, like, um, like neurodiverse people who, like, necessarily, like, wouldn't be able to play the game how, like, it, you know, I would play the game or something. That, like, it's going to help them be able to complete the game and see the end of the story. So, like, that to me is good. There's also, like, people who, like, don't have the same like mobility or like dexterity at all. And like, that's just going to help like just further the game for them. So like that, and sure. A net good. Also just the, the legacy of gaming that a human being carries with them into any game play. Like if yeah. this, if Psychonauts 2 is your first game, which it might be for somebody, mm-hmm. even though it's a sequel, it, it's like, Oh, this looks interesting. If you don't have years of like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm learning this a lot because my mom is becoming a gamer. She's playing Fantasian mm-hmm. yeah. and she's farther than I am now. Wow. But, wow. Uh, but she's also like, her questions are like questions that we have just been brainwashed on. Like they're, we've been trained for all of this stuff. So it's almost like witnessing shorthand when you play a video game now. Like it's like, oh, the fire symbol under, under a list of weaknesses like, oh, I, I uh, of course I understand what I'm supposed to do if fire it. But for somebody who's never played a video game, that's just like a cartouche. Like it's right. yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Um, so like if you extend that to playability to like, you know, like if I if I get Psychonauts 2 for my mom, I'm going to be like, just turn off the turn on and off the invincibility if you ever get stuck and she'll be able to actually complete the game. I think that's great. Yes. Yeah, Hades had, which Hades can be punishingly difficult if you Mm -hmm. play it, you know, you start playing it on a high heat, but it has just like a straight up God mode you can toggle. Great. Well, throw it in there. Why not? You know, even if even if it, 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 it could be as simple as like, hey, you know what? I'm a working parent and I have fucking 20 minutes to play a game every day. And I'm just not going to fucking ever get, reach a level of competency uh, to where I can like progress through on normal difficulty because I'm just so time limited. Like, yes. like, yeah, that, that, that should be for those people, too. Sure. Whatever your situation is, who fucking gives a shit? I think there should be dynamic, invisible difficulty in a video game. Here's how I think it should work. I think that you should be playing a game. And if the game t- can tell that you're having difficulty, instead of giving you that sort of demoralizing question of like, would you like to switch to easy mode? If you're having like a wall, if you're hitting a wall yes. instead, it automatically shifts the difficulty of those encounters and then readjusts once you've learned or uh, like once your reflexes have gotten better. That's interesting. If you, if mm. you are a player who thrives on extreme difficulty at the end of the game you can pride yourself with like a a rundown of how long you lingered in extreme difficulty versus hard difficulty versus medium difficulty Mm -hmm. like it would give you a it would let you know at the end hey you played 60 percent of this game on extreme difficulty and and it wouldn't be a choice and it also wouldn't be like i don't know it's a little bit of a slap in the face when when a game's like would you like to switch? Like, just oh, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. That's well, a great I, solution. I, would, I, I mean, I hate that idea. Uh, but 
No, I, I, I think that's actually, <laughs> why, I think that's, I, no, I think that's a, that's a really intriguing approach. This sort of, it's like a dynamic sort of reverse scaling, you know, it's just sort of, you know, it, we'll, we'll just sort of make things instead of the enemy's difficulty scaling with you. We'll, we'll have, we'll scale in reverse when you're having diff, when you're having problems. I mean, like Crash Bandicoot kind of did a version of that when, back in the day, when you die a bunch of on a, on a certain part, you'd automatically start with a power up and you didn't really have a choice in the matter. It was mm-hmm. like kind of a crude implementation of that. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I'm fully on board with that for uh, certain games where you just want to progress through it and just sort of see the narrative. But there are other games where, like, I kind of want to just have beat my head against the wall against this boss a bunch of times until I figure out how to beat it the correct way, you know, because that's satisfying, too. Well, then maybe it would be a switch that you toggle at the beginning of the yes. game that was like dynamic difficulty scaling or no dynamic difficulty scaling. Mm-hmm. And then you could choose whether to like lock in extreme difficulty or not. But there's right. like, I'm, you know, when I at the end of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I was playing on like the hardest difficulty and just mowing through everybody still. Right. And I wish that there had been some. I know they just released like Master Challenge. I'm not going to play that. Ga- I'm avoiding that game until they release Paris because I'm terrified of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very large man that stands in the corner of my apartment and just <laughs> is, like scowling at me. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird metaphor. Anyway, the like the the no, but but I, I wish that it had been able to say, oh, the, she hasn't been physically hit by an enemy in a long time. So mm-hmm. we need to change something about the way this game is because it made the encounters into just sort of like, ugh, okay, yeah, yeah, I gotta get through these like 10 guys. Okay, great. Well, that that becomes a, that's that's a really, like that's a, that's a design challenge I feel like no one has figured out, which is just how, and you've got, especially in an open world game, like mm. how do we scale enemy difficulty in a way where there's where the player is not just progressing their skill but the in-game character is becoming more powerful because they're leveling up and accumulating experience like how do we balance how do we let that character and let the player playing that character feel more powerful as this game progresses while also providing a challenge because if you just be, end up back in a starter area you should be able to mow everything down yeah. and like you know Bethesda games often have like a level scaling approach where, okay, I'm, I'm encountering the sewer rat, but the sewer rat is now level 35 because I'm level 35. And that's also an unsatisfying challenge because yeah. why is my fucking demigod uh, struggling, having to hit this thing with a mythic axe, you know, uh, 20 times just to fucking kill it, this, this tiny little vermin. I recently finished Horizon Zero Dawn uh, and I thought they had an, like some of the enemies had an Excellent, excellent approach to this difficulty problem, which is that if you were landing a ton of um, like ranged hits on a monster, uh, perhaps from like a perch where that couldn't strike you, it would retreat out Mm. of range and it would be like waiting for you. And the only way that you could go after the thing would be to leave your safe position Right. And go after it using different tactics. And I was, uh, that's, if if you're going to, like, if there's going to be like a castle full of dudes and those dudes like are one-on-one are really easy to take on, then have the AI adjust to get them all, like move them away from you and then attack in waves or something. You know, like there's got to, I don't know what, how difficult what I've just explained is and I bet there's a developer who listens to our podcast who is like, 
Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll paint the Mona Lisa. You fucking bitch. You fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But but. Mona they, Lisa, Citizen Kane of paintings. I so mm, look. Yes. I'm doing these references because it's the stuff that people know. Why is she smiling? <laughs> What's she looking at? Oh my god. Vinci sucks. <laughs> Uh, the, the point is, I thought that was a I thought that was a really neat approach to difficulty issues. It's just like, oh, yeah, have, have the monsters leave and you have to chase them down. And that puts you at a disadvantage because then they are in an area where they have decided I have a better chance of of eliminating you in this encounter, which is neat. Yeah, those those sort of, you know, novel approaches to making you. You have to, to to engage in combat in this specific way are always uh, fun. I, I think of this. I, I always think of this enemy in in fable. Um, that was like when you were when you were ranged. Like he it, it it forced you into close combat because his ranged attack was just so punishing. Like he would just like fucking chuck boulders at you like mortars, and there was just no way effect, to effectively strike him from um, from range from distance. But yeah, I mean that's that's a more that's a more nuanced and complex discussion than just like sort of difficulty scaling. I mean, we're talking about balancing individual combat encounters that starts to get pretty, you know, that's, that's kind of the nitty gritty of it. What else you got, Nick? Here's one. (laughs) And now for a segment, here's one. (laughs) Uh, Summer games done quick was uh, as of this record this, uh, this past weekend. Speed running event raised two point eight million dollars for Doctors Out Borders. Wow. Well, actually, I think the ultimate to- ultimate total was uh, like two point nine million. Wow! Uh, but yeah, they just speed run a shitload of games. You, uh, usually, it's in person. The past couple of years, it's been streaming uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, or only streaming rather, everything remote. And uh, here's some of the here's some of the speed run. You know what? I'll 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 say a game. And you guys guess uh, what the runtime was. Okay, great. Here's one. Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. Oh. Does it say what difficulty? Um, critical mode, any percentage. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, Do, can you skip cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts? I think you can, yeah. Okay. You have to pause, and then, yeah, you can skip any of them. I'm going to guess three hours. Two hours, 15 minutes. Uh, you both uh, actually Matt's closest without going over three hours, 13 minutes and 12 seconds. Wow. wow. That's impressive. N- Nintendo ran that game. Um, Super Mario Brothers three co-op. This is I always forget that this mode exists, that there's a co-op mode in Super Mario Brothers three. We take turns as Mario and Luigi. Wow. A lot could happen there. A lot to factor in because the second player, I assume in the speed run is it is also as good. But if you're doing this. You know, on your own, you might not get somebody yeah. that's at your skill level. Um, well, he's naturally you're naturally hamstrung because the second guy's Luigi. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Luigi's no Mario. No, it's like Citizen Kane Mario. Uh, I'm going to guess here's what I'm going to guess. Nine minutes because the final eight levels or whatever are sort of locked with. Speed. I, I, should, I should give this an addendum. I'm so sorry. This is this is key. It's not just co-op. It's co-op warpless. So no warps. Oh, oh, okay. okay. This is a good normal progression. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to say 45 minutes. 45 minutes. 30 minutes. Actually took one hour, 20 minutes and huh. 39 seconds. Wow. Yeah. The, the other thing about these numbers is this is pristine focus for these yes. lengths of time. Like, it's not yes. like, you know, oh, it's an hour and 20 minutes of playing Super Mario. Anybody could do that. This is like flawless, perfect play with yeah. another person nonstop. Like, that's that's so insane. It's like none of the Olympic events are, what was it, three hours and 15 minutes long for Kingdom yeah. Hearts? Nothing yeah. in the Olympics lasts that long. I can't do anything perfectly for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 staggering. I mean, I've, I've talked before about the uh, the the Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest One, uh, the the North American release speed run in twenty seven minutes by NES Cardinality. And what's amazing about that one is not only is he doing it absolutely perfect and just does not it's it's a flawless run. He's just calmly narrating what he's doing the whole time. Wow! It's like it's 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 almost it's like kind of terrifying. <laughs> that you just like you that you develop this level of precision and this level of confidence where you can not just do what you're doing, but say what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's like when Michael Jordan would say it would tell you how he was going to beat you and then beat you that way. He'd tell <laughs> like, you when he was going to shoot it and then he'd shoot it and he'd fucking make it. If if you drew a dot on a piece of paper and told me just touch that dot for an hour and 45 minutes, I think I would throw up. Like, I think if I, I think if I just had to like touch and then release, touch and then release a dot, I, yeah. I would become so overwhelmed with stress. And also like, I'd also, the chances of me like missing the dot yeah, are probably like 95% that I'd be <laughs> looking at a dot and I wouldn't be able to touch it with my finger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, next up, we got a couple more. Demon Souls 2020, the remake of Demon Souls for PlayStation 5. This is a run by Birdo Please. How long did this take? I, I don't, can, is, is there, I don't know how many of those bosses are optional. Um, my, get, my random guess on this is going to be about three hours. Three I'm going to say... Two and a half hours. 53 minutes, 57 seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this, fi this final one here. This one is really just, uh, if, you, if you, you're going to watch any of these, this is, I mean, there's some, there's some really good runs here, but this one is just impressive because of the gimmick. Super Mario 64 blindfolded. That's what? This is, this is a 70-star run blindfolded. Wait, What? The guy's wearing a fucking blindfold. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense. I agree. That guy should be the president. <laughs> I hope this is a trick question and, and the answer is like he never finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His controller playing. was unplugged. He didn't realize. <laughs> Would be a horrific prank yeah. <laughs> to do to somebody. Oh my God, another star. <laughs> Just kidding, you idiot. How about 45 minutes? Wait, no, 70, all 70 stars? Uh, 70 stars. Not, not, so not every star. No, it's uh, all, all uh, there are, I think, 120 stars, yeah. but you need 70 stars to complete yeah. it. 40, yeah, 45 minutes. 
Matt Apodaca. I think I can guess how he did this. Mm-hmm. He was cheating? Yeah, he was cheating. No, um... <laughs> no, he, like... I mean, because... There's not, like... Those games aren't, like, procedurally generated. You know what I mean? Like, things are always right. going to be where they are. So, sure. if you sort of have enough familiarity with the map and how many steps it takes to get to something and like the direction you need to sort of go, you could memorize Mario's footpath basically and, and do exactly what you're supposed to do, you know, with the, with the degree of difficulty that this is a 3d space. Yes. That you need to make sure you're facing the right direction. And, uh, you know, like you're like, it's, it's very, it's a lot easier to get disoriented than if you're playing like just like a 2d platform. Right. But yes, I'm going to say this took, Heather, you locked in 45? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say this took 50 minutes. One hour and 59 minutes wow. is the runtime of Citizen Kane. Oh. Bubsia <laughs> completed this 10 minutes faster than that. 149. Wow. wow. Super Mario 64 blindfold. Any time is impressive, but to knock this out in under two hours, get 70 fucking. I could not do that with my sight. I no. could not do 70 stars. It's it's unbelievable. It's like when fucking you see someone running. You talked about the Olympics either, earlier, Heather. But you see someone run like an Olympic marathon. And they're basically like like a, like even just a qualifying marathon. You're basically running a five-minute mile 26 times in a row. I couldn't run a five-minute mile like once. I can't do that one time. Yeah. It's so far removed from my abilities as a human being that it's, it's almost inconceivable. I was watching the home run derby the other day and uh-huh. just the the amount of dingers that some guys hit in one run was more than yeah. I ever hit in my lifetime. It was yeah. it was why I loved it. Yeah, it really it. is it is weird to think that you go through life and you're like, you know, I'm okay at a few things. And the truth is I'm bad at everything. <laughs> By comparison right. to anyone mm-hmm. who is good at the thing, I am bad at all of those things. Yeah. Like there's Human, human, especially if you spend any time on TikTok, it's just like, wow, there are tens of thousands of insanely talented, extremely specific people who can do anything like, you know, I bet. Yeah, I can't watch somebody flip a coin into a cup that's at the top of a, uh, a tree being held by a bird. And like Mm -hmm. somebody on TikTok's just like flips a coin and it goes in and it's not fake because also you then their next video is like them trying to do it 50,000 times. Yes. Yeah. But it's ugh. that thing of like, you used to only have to compete with the people that also did the thing that you do, but sure. now you are competing with every human on earth. And like, so like <laughs> right. the, the range of difficulty is, is now just <sighs> beyond measure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, God bless them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing good, good work good over job, there. Good job, speedrunners. You did it. It should be in the Olympics. It should be. Video games should Fully be, agree. 100% should be in the Olympics. That is like Fully the more, that, that, I mean, not no shade to, well, I won't say what I was going to say. I was going to say, I'd rather watch somebody do that than run. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can run. Yeah. Not like that, but I. <clears throat> 
Uh, I was going to say that, that there was something there's a point you made earlier, Heather, about I, I just had this this thought I had earlier and then it came back to me. And so I'm going to say it now, even though it's 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 far removed from the original discussion. But you had a point earlier of like people who don't play games, approaching games like your mom and and being disoriented by things we take as commonplace. For yeah. me, the, the example is my friend's dad was watching him play a fighting game. And this was this was years ago. My my, my college friend's dad. And uh, his 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 question was, why are they dancing? And he was referring just to the characters in their fighting stance. You know how they kind of have like a little bit of a bobble animation, a sort of a bob and weave just because mm-hmm. if for the if the sprites were completely still or if it's, a, you know, a, even if it's a 3D model, if it's completely still, it looks unnatural. It looks like a, a you know, it, it we we're all even when we're holding still, we're all moving subtly. Mm-hmm. But like if you're that exaggerated sort of thing to to an outsider is just like they just look like they're dancing for no reason. Oh, I just found that was interesting. That is. No, no, I mean, it is funny because, I mean, I've said this before on the show, but sometimes my girlfriend will walk by when I'm playing, like, Kingdom Hearts and just have no uh-huh. frame of reference for anything that's on screen. And she'll yeah. just, like, be like, what am I looking at? Like, what is, yeah. like, <laughs> I understand what a video game is, but this doesn't make a lick of sense visually at all. What, why is Donald Duck dead and why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Should I do a segment? Uh-oh. I think we should. Heather's pulled out a retro piece of hardware and or software from her collection. It's another edition of Heather's memory card. No, it's, it's Heather's hole. Welcome okay, it's... to Heather's hole. Heather's hole. So this week's pick is a PlayStation <laughs> 2 game that I really, really, really wanted to cover on the show itself. Uh, But the truth is that it's not available as a downloadable game. It's not available re-released on other platforms. It was maybe re-released as a uh, PlayStation 3 PS2 classic. But that, I Mm. mean, that you can't get it that way either. Um, And the game is God Hand. Oh, yeah, God Hand. Which was a 2006 game for the PS2. It was a beat-em-up developed by Clover Studio and uh, directed by Shinji Mikami. Now, you might know Shinji Mikami if you've played the games. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Resident Evil, Dino Crisis, Devil May Cry, or the very, very well-known Resident Evil 4? Um, This is a dude who was, like, at Capcom for a long time and made some of the greatest video games of all time. Then he split off with a bunch of other Capcom folks and started the Clover Studios, where they made God Hand. Now, God Hand is a fighting game where you just fight your way through levels, but it is so bizarre And like every enemy that you encounter is so over the top that it is almost almost like a gonzo violence comedy. You fight uh, Power Rangers who are all small and have goatees. You (laughs) when you you grab enemies and you spank them to death, uh, you have a, a variety of these like insanely over the top. Uh, finishing moves that are available on sort of a roulette wheel in the corner of your screen. 
Um, and I have a, um, to give you a sense of, of, of how bizarre and bonkers this game is, I have an audio clip, which is often repeated throughout the game when you face an enemy. Now, before I say this, your character's name is Gene. You have two massively overpowered arms called the God Hands, and you are fighting demons. So when you encounter these dudes, here's what they say to you. You're not Alexander. Which, if you hear that over and over again in a game, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> right. Like, is this just a mistranslation? But the game is extremely reference heavy. So if you look up what that's supposed to be, it is a reference to a Mike Tyson pre-fight, what do you call those? Like, like, an like cutting a promo. I don't know what the fuck you call it in, in, in boxing. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that Mike Tyson said, which sounded like this. There's no one can stop me. Lynx is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. Great. So it's a reference to, it's Mike Tyson saying, this guy's not Alexander the Great. I'm Alexander the Great. But they mm -hmm. didn't provide that context to the voice recorders <laughs> for the game who just shout at you, you're not Alexander, <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as if they're looking for a dude named Alexander. Um, the game was extremely negatively received when it first came out. Like, I I'm talking like 26 out of 40 at Famitsu, uh, three out of 10 at IGN. Uh, like re the game was misunderstood and also just like berated by, by the gaming mm -hmm. press. Yet, uh, it has now become, uh, one of the top 100 PlayStation two games of all time on IGN's, uh, list. Wow. So IGN went from giving this game 30% to saying this is one of the best games that was ever available for the PlayStation. And I think that's because it was trying something new, trying something very aggressively, and also wildly off-putting at times in terms of tone. <laughs> um, I also was like, well, maybe I'll just get a couple of copies for the boys and then we can all play it because it's definitely worth covering on the show. Unfortunately, with the commodities market being what it is all of these copies of this fucking game are like a hundred bucks loose Christ. yeah or like 500 bucks in a in the package and that's ridiculous if you are a publisher and you see that something you've made is one of the top 100 of the thing of all time and there's no way for people to play that game without being price gouged uh i would suggest re-releasing it on like the PlayStation store uh, for a regular normal price. You don't need to fuck fancy it up or anything. Let them play. That's my, that's my, that's, that's my hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's, we can exit the hole. I, I certainly remember this game. I never played it at the time. Um, is, is it like, uh, am I remembering it wrong? Or is it like also super hard? Does it have that reputation? I, don't know the answer to that question. I mm. I mean, like, I enjoyed it. So is it hard? Maybe it's hard. I yeah. just, I what I like no, about no it is... No game is a challenge for you. 
Well, it's, I mean, there are chat. There were some bosses in Horizon Zero Dawn, which were legitimately like, oh, fuck, this is hard. Right. And I, I, I was like, am I missing something? Am I, is there different materials that I'm supposed to have? Oh, there must be different armor later on. No, some of those giant robots just kick the shit out of you. Like you'll mm-hmm. get hit by them once. Like you can't engage them without some sort of deceptive play. But that's also the way the game's designed and not the way that I play any games where it's like right. sneak into this compound. I'm like, I will kill everybody on my way in. And then and then it's like sneaking mm. um, because the darkness of death is like the darkness of shadows. But <laughs> sure. with with God Hand, I think it was it, it was mostly fun and the moves were wow. fun. You know, like I don't remember it being insanely difficult. Right. It we wasn't cover easy. this game. We, I wish we could. I wish we could cover this. I wish we could cover uh, another game that he, I think, wrote or executive produced called Killer7. Um, this was a nice golden era of of GameCube games and PS2 games. We should... And Dreamcast. These were good days, guys. Com- completely different uh, developer, but uh, the, like, Eternal Darkness, another, like, a, just yeah. a fucking thoroughly bizarre GameCube game that was really cool, and I don't, I, you just have to get the GameCube version, I guess, to play it now, right? Was it ever re-released? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I, don't I don't have the was. answer to that. I I don't know. Heather, uh, thank you, you for- get out of my hole? Yeah, I was gonna say- <laughs> Let's uh, let's back out of that hole. Uh, but that was a wonderful segment. <laughs> you did a great job. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Hey, it's time for the question block. Ba-ding! This one's from at C Rouser Dowser on Twitter, and they write: A sealed copy of Mario sixty four just sold for over one million dollars at a live auction. What piece mm. of gaming memorabilia slash history would you pay that much money for if you had it? You know who made that winning bid? Dr. Evil. Oh, God. That was his master plan? That's, yeah. I need, Scotty, don't you get it? I need $1 million. <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone. <laughs> I got to play Mario 64. <laughs> My microphone is on. Just, <laughs> so the and that was you that did that impression, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's hard. There, I don't know that there is anything that I can think of that's worth a million dollars in the gaming world. Mm-hmm. Like, there, the I mean, an extremely elaborate arcade cabinet, like the Sega 360, you know, shooting game, maybe. But also, no, I don't. I, that's so much money. Yeah, I, I don't know what to... Like, how much do they think Earwolf is paying us? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have no million dollars. I'd love to. Yeah, for that kind of money, I'm thinking, like, Hideo Kojima's thoughts downloaded onto a hard drive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Give me a dump of that man's noodle. Yeah. Like, like maybe, okay, and this is just assuming somebody gave me the money and was like, you cannot spend this on anything but video games and if you don't spend it, it will be burnt. Like like something where it's like, I don't have the option to like f- fucking give it to a dog shelter. Like it's yeah. so mm-hmm. much money. Um, so my, my, my thought is that the world championship cart that they played in The Wizard, mm. 
Like yes. something that's like, oh, there were only like six of them made. But also one of the things that has been talked about with this with this purchase is that the, there are two kinds of collectors now. There are the collectors who want a pristine copy of the popular thing. Like it's like, I want Superman number one and I want it in mint condition. It's not. And then there are, are collectors who are like, man, they sure didn't make a lot of copies of whatever this game is mm-hmm. and like Waterworld for the virtual boy. They didn't make a ton sure. of those. Uh, and so I'm going to pay a high price for it because there are so few copies in existence. And these two um, factions are at war with each other over what the actual price of a game should be because it is fucking ridiculous to pay mm-hmm. $1.5 million for Super Mario 64, especially when there are so many copies of that still sealed in existence in the world. Right. Yeah. And for a time, you're able to download it on the Switch store. Like, you could emulate this. Like, it's like a thing that you can just have and play, you know? Then it's it sold 11 million copies. Yeah. Like, right. it sold. That's an... It, it, I, I, I think... So, and I said this on Twitter. I think there's something really fishy going on here. I think this is either a tax avoidance scheme because the art world is a way that people can funnel money into goods and and it changes their their tax status on their financial uh footprint like maybe it's somebody being like oh fuck i you know what i'm gonna dump a million 1.5 million dollars into super mario so that it is an art acquisition and changes my tax status or Mm -hmm. it is the auction company itself falsifying that price so that they can change the price of their existing stock uh, and in order to lift all the prices across the board, like if they are going to lie that this this auction happened for one point five million dollars, then it resets the price of all their other existing games at a slightly higher value. I think it's entirely possible that this is some sort of tax dodge. I mean, that's certainly been the the conspiracy theory with a lot of NFTs. And you've seen some NFTs that have sold for exorbitant amounts of money, even well above what that was going for on the market. Otherwise, that feels like someone parking money. But. I also think it's 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 perhaps possible that it's just some fucking asshole that income inequality has gotten so bad. The wealth gap is so enormous that there there's there are people who to whom a million dollars is a trivial amount of money. And maybe part of the calculation is spending a million dollars on Super Mario 64. So you can be the person who ha- who spent a million dollars on Super Mario 64. So you can be like, this is a sealed copy of Super Mario 64. I spent a million dollars on that. And that in and of itself is like, I have the most expensive video game ever, you know, that's ever been auctioned because I paid for it. But that's part of the fucking dick measuring, uh, you know, contest side of extreme wealth. I don't I don't I don't fucking know. It's like Logan Paul. That's his name, right? Wearing yeah. the million dollar Pokemon card around his neck as right. a piece of jewelry. Like it's, yes. you know, it's that kind of thing. Yes. Those things. Uh, those things. I, I was going to say, you know, like like what I was thinking about an, an actual answer to this question. It's a good question. I was saying like, oh, maybe like a sealed copy of Zork. And then I looked it up and even a sealed Zork is like going for like a grand. It's it's well outside of a million dollars. But if we're just going to say like, hey, it just is this is uh, this is unlimited money to, to get whatever I was going to say, I think a sealed Neo Geo with the entire library also sealed. Like, if I just had every wow. Neo Geo game and the fucking Neo Geo all in, like, mint condition in box, like, that would be something where I'd be like, you know what? That's maybe worth 
as much money as I could possibly conceive spending on anything. Yeah. Just because that's a combination of something I've always wanted and always thought was cool. Plus, like ever since I was a kid, plus, so there's that wishful moment side of things. Plus, I know this is something that's rare and a lot of these games are, the, and a lot of copies weren't printed and finding one sealed copy would be, you know, a, 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 a coup. Yeah. It is somehow, it is somehow happened that I am this age and this many years into gaming and I yet, I still have never played the home Neo Geo. Me ever. neither. Like ever. We got to make this it, happen. We should. We should. We should expense it to Earwolf. <laughs> hey, we need to cover some uh, games on a system that we none of us have. So, yeah. Yeah. So can we fire Matt? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing that's st- holding it back is that I am. I do get paid millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My answer was... Um, I, it's not a game, but I, so I don't know if it necessarily counts as an answer to the question, but like Shigeru Miyamoto's original drawings for Mario or something, hey, like where he like came up yeah, with the idea for Mar- Mario. Why wouldn't I want that? That's, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That's not a game. You're right. That's not a game. So it doesn't count. That's and literally my bad, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's art. And I, I fucked up and I answered the question bad. Fuck. But I will say there's a lot of like, OK, so concept art for, you know, for instance, for like animation or for like a sci fi live action feature. Like that's a thing that like exists. There's like art books I th- and there are art books for video games, too. But I would like to see more like, hey, let's see. Let's see a fucking, you know, some early design docs. Let's see when you were sketching out what the you know architecture of a level might be, what that what that yeah. layout might be back in the day, back when you were doing that on graph paper. Like that would be interesting to see some of that stuff. And certainly to have originals would be I have a thought about a collectible, incredible. which yeah. is I wonder if in a hundred years Mario and Sonic at the Olympics 2020 will be a collectible item since it's an Olympics that didn't happen. Wow. Wow. I wonder if people would be like, oh, yeah, this was when the pandemic happened. And this is a game about a thing that was scheduled that never took place. Wow. OK, my after this after this record, I'm buying a copy, a sealed copy of uh, of Sonic and Mario at the Olympics 2020. And uh, also I'm downloading um, Summer Lesson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take one more question, Matt. OK, here we go. This one's from. Uh, Matt Hawk from our email, and they write, Hello, one of my favorite things about physical game cases is the cover art for them. Are there any games you love or remember loving the cover art slash case for? Great question. Um, Great question. I mean, I, I always love the uh, I always love the the Final Fantasies. We were talking about those earlier. However, there's a shooter game for Super Man, Nintendo. I, go go I, on, Heather. I, yeah, I'm going to pile on that before you look up this this shooter game, which I bet is probably Actor Razor. Uh, or maybe it's, maybe you're thinking of the one where it's like an old man with a banjo as a that's as exactly a what I was thinking. Pass. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a, a phalanx, which was yeah. the which was a shooter for a shmup for um uh, for Super Nintendo. And but let's see if I can get the but art on the, the Final chat. Fantasy tip. Is that appropriate? The Final Fantasy tip. Yeah, the, yeah. Why the not? First time, so you know when the games came out here, Final Fantasy games came out here. It was like a a cover that was like either. Uh, some like they just threw everything on the cover it's like oh it's right squall and renoa in front of a building and it's just like a bunch of shit 
And when I saw the Japanese ones that were just like plain white with the font and the logo, I was like, oh, man, that looks like an adult's game. That's cool. Um, Have either of you ever printed a custom game cover for any of your games? No. No, I haven't. Uh, I like the defaults. Hmm. I sometimes like when in now, like in modern games where the reverse side is something I'll maybe sometimes Mm. like display that one. But uh, some of them look too similar, like the one for Skyrim and the one for Uncharted 4. And then I think the one for God of War PS4 all are like a mountain range. (laughs) And I'm like, well, this is impossible now. So I have to switch them, had to switch them back. Uh, So I would know what's what. I know for a fact that my PS2 copy of Eco has a custom cover because the cover released in the States was so awful and so oh, yeah. ugly. Oh, God, it looked awful. Looking at it kind of made me feel bad about the game. So I just printed, I think this was back in like the days of going on NeoGAF. There was like a thread of custom video game art that was pre-made for you and you could print it and then like replace your covers. Um, I definitely did that for Eco. Um, Let's see if I can get this, get a two up of these two, because I remember this exact same thing. So the North American box art uh, was was horrific and the Japanese box art was beautiful. And um, I'll share my screen right now and you guys can see this. So, yeah, the North American art is what looks to be early 2000s CG rendering of a boy holding a stick in front of a windmill with like a, a semi-translucent woman's face. Yeah. It's just yeah. trash. And it, it do- looks and, like and, absolute shit. It's such bad he, art. He does not. Also, he does not. They This gives like a, a concept of what the game is that is inaccurate, which is this game is extremely lonely, very distant, very, very strange and isolating and quiet. And the PAL slash Japanese art is a painting of like a, what is this, like a Dali-esque painting? Yeah. Uh, of of a, like two figures in uh, hard contrast uh, sunlight making their way across what looks to be like a video game level, but painted. Like there's a ladder and some archways and a windmill in the distance with a with a impossible architecture, and it gives the feeling of the game. That's what I printed. It's also just gorgeous. Like yeah. it just it looks so the 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 pal art looks so so good, and then the uh, the other it's just like aggressively ugly. It's like a DreamWorks poster, you know. It's just like <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it fucking sucks. And and it, and it's such a good game, and to have such an ugly box art. Honestly, it, it doesn't even look like the render of the character. In the game. No. Yeah, it fucking ab- an abomination. <laughs> awful. Truly I've, awful. So, I, you know, I don't know what the chicken and the egg is here because clearly that, I mean, like you wouldn't do this if it wasn't true that it would sell more copies with this art in North America. Like, they, these companies have millions and millions of dollars. It's not just an arbitra- arbitrary decision. It's mm-hmm. It's something that somebody was like, Hey, if we want this game to have a shot at sales, we need to make it look cooler. And by cool, we mean not not like ugly. Like right. I wonder Yes. I wonder if that reinforces 
an aesthetic in North America that then self-feeds or if it was that originally they just make shitty box art and the game sold like that. And if they were to change it to sort of more an artistic impression of the game that it would sell fewer copies. I I don't fucking know. Like the, I, I'm the, sh- yes, the box art for out of this world slash another world in North America is fucking awful on the Super Nintendo. And if you look at that box art anywhere else, it's like, oh, yeah, here's this is what the f- f- game is. I, I don't know. This is a dumb thing to complain about, guys. There's so many video games are cool. We don't need to. <laughs> but I, I think it's, it's right. but I think it's fair. It's like it's it, like like yes, it's clearly a, a a a marketing calculation where they're like, oh, they think that it's going to to have a positive impact on sales to make this game. Honest, oftentimes, it feels like in North America, they're like, we're marketing this towards teen boys. We want it to look cool, whatever that means. And it's it's oftentimes some tone deaf, uh, you know, fucking fifty year old executive's idea of of cool, and that's what gets shipped. So yeah, it, I I mean, like it's it's it sucks when they change the bo- when they change the art. Uh, although box art is less of a thing these days. Um, you know, other ones I was going to say that that I really like. I, the, uh, Grand Theft Autos always have good box art. Yep, just yeah. just just like a really really awesome logo and just some some cool art. Uh, and um. And also the uh, yeah the, the Monkey Island series of of the of the Lucas Arts adventures, but they just have this like kind of this this really lush uh, Prince Valiant art style um, that just it's just it looks so cool on the box, and it also like evokes what you're going to to uh, experience in the game. Um, so yeah, the, those are ones I always think of. Apodaca, did you have an answer to this? I can't remember. I don't. I, I'm trying to think. All the games that I liked, historically have liked, are like just like a single image on the thing. So like what? The 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 legendary Pokemon that's in like the Pokemon yeah. game. You know what I mean? Like so like there's mm-hmm. there, I don't I don't think I have one that's like as interesting. I like the box art for um was it I think God of War 2 has cool box art if I remember correctly. Oh yeah. I really like the Kingdom Hearts box art for Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, yeah. Which is just, I think, like silver reflective material with the Tetsuo Nomura art of just all the characters looking out on the distance. That's not so bad. That's kind of classy for yeah. such a fucking crazy game. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it's just another layer that just doesn't make sense because they're yeah. just like very like calmly hanging out. And you're like, well, they don't really do this in here. Uh, man, physical, they're physical games. I miss the, the booklets. It's wasteful. Hmm. I miss strategy guides. Yes. Just paper strategy guides. Can you get those anymore? I found recently my, and we're going to get out of here, but I just recently found my Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls strategy guide. Hey. Wow. So I have it here. It's too far away for me to grab and show you, but you got to believe me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I believe you, Matt. Okay, thank you. Oh, my God. I think you're full of shit. Oh, no. You can still buy strategy guide books, but they're usually like the collector's edition. Like, I got the right. cyberpunk book. Yeah. Uh, because before that game came out, I was like, this game's going to be my favorite game of all time. <laughs> so I got, <laughs> so I got, I got the, the book, which was like a hardcover with all the art and all the... You know, like alternate storyline. Boy, oh boy, that was not. I didn't need to do that for that game. Yeah. I definitely yeah. didn't. And then also didn't consult it. I don't think I've ever. Like, it's just like, oh, what if? What if I want to? 
Yeah, right. it's a shelf piece. Yeah. Well, hey, hit us up uh, with your picks for favorite box art. Maybe we'll, we'll retweet some of them. You attach a attach a JPEG. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 6162-PLAY. That's 616-275-2933. JPEGs only. I don't want no gifts. Uh, yeah. I don't want no pings. Yeah. We're only considering JPEGs. Only JPEGs. And if I swear to God, if I see that file come in and it's not a JPEG, you're fucking blocked. Wow. Throwing down the gauntlet. Our music and engineering is by our MVP, Devin Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter at BaffleGabs. And Matt, we're back to regular format next week. What's next week's game? Next week's game, Dr. Lengiskov, the Tiger, and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind heist. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. Edge. Edge.